Welcome to Color Country Politics, where we discuss all the important political issues facing Iron County, Utah. Our guests include elected officials and community leaders in or representing Iron County. This is episode 68, A Cure for the Country Town Blues. Hey, everybody, this is Jenny Hendricks. I am here with my very silent partner today, Jesse Harris. We are bringing you another episode of Color Country Politics. We've been gone for a while. There's been a lot going on, um, but we're back. And we have the most amazing guest for you today. I am so excited. The uh, brand new, newly minted senior advisor to the governor for rural affairs, we are going to have a conversation with Stephen Lizenby today. Stephen, welcome to Color Country Politics. Thank you. Hey, thanks to the both of you for letting me be here. It's just exciting. Thank you. So Stephen has another title. Um, he, his first position is the assistant vice president uh, here at SUU uh, to the Office of Regional Services. So that's his day job. And then his second day job is Senior Advisor to the Governor for Rural Affairs in the newly created uh, Governor Cox Administration's Rural Office, which has never happened before. So it's kind of a big deal, kind of a big deal. So Stephen, I'm gonna let you just kind of take it away. Tell us, first of all, what is the Governor Cox's Rural Office? Why is that important? What do you do and why should this community care? How is it going to impact our community? Jenny, thanks. Um, I, I love the latitude here. I think we're gonna have some fun. Um, the, so, so I'll kind of segment this out into maybe a couple areas. First, let's talk about Governor Cox, right? His campaign had several promises relative to engaging with rural Utah and ensuring that really Utah had the support they need to be equal players uh, in the success of Utah as a whole. And, and we've seen that over the last several years, Utah has continued to thrive and grow while there's some rural communities that have not felt that same experience. And, and specifically, um, we see how resilient Utah is with how fast we've responded post-2020 and COVID-19, right? Utah's, you know, 29 you know, unemployment rate in the middle of the, the world still going through a pandemic, right? So there's some great things happening, but what does that mean for rural Utah? And, and this governor gets it, right? He has been a local leader. He has, he lives and continues to live in rural Utah and he understands it. And so being able to ensure he had an ability to support rural Utah's voice into his administration was important. So this senior advisor role really has a focus on ensuring, you know, a couple of very key things. One, you know, give rural Utah a voice, you know, represent Utah's rural communities in the governor's cabinet meetings and helping to align those resources with opportunities and raise the profile of rural issues. And that is a lot of fun. And this administration has been so good uh, about that, about coming to the table, innovating together, Already in the first 100 days, we've seen some really big wins uh, with some of these agency heads in the cabinet wanting to work together. So the second thing is the sense of providing convening power. 
you know, how do you bring rural communities together on important issues so that, you know, my mom always taught me, and Jenny, you know this model well, one stick easily breaks, you put a bunch together, it's hard to break. How do you bring them together, right? Uh, the third is engaging with leadership development so that, you know, our local leaders have what they need to be able to innovate and, and navigate their change and growth, which is happening. The fourth is to kind of develop that collaboration, which means we're working alongside other rural champions. There are so many people invested in to the success of rural Utah. How do we work with them and, and help them be their best selves? And then I think the last piece is ensuring support, right? It's really beginning with that question, what are you working on and ending with how can we help? And so that's really the approach of the senior advisor position. And in the first 100 days, it's been a lot of fun already to, to follow that process and see the success we're having. So I'll kind of pause there for a second. It's a little bit about the advisor position. It's been a lot of fun. You know, one thing strikes me, and it never occurred to me before. The, fir- the very first thing you said is giving rural Utah a voice. Well, everybody says that. We're going to give rural Utah a voice, you know. It never occurred to me that there was never a person from rural Utah sitting at the table in a cabinet meeting. That's a big deal. That's huge. It's a really big deal. And, and I think the cabinet is, is very well connected throughout Utah, right? You think about organizations such as UDOT, very well regionally organized. You think about workforce services, you know, uh, located in communities throughout Utah. So there, there are a lot of agencies that are well connected in, in, in there, but there's a lot of layers of administration between that local level and their cabinet member. And so, you know, you know like I mentioned, what are your plans and how could we help? It, it's even doing that with cabinet members. I mean, you had a great call last night from a cabinet member that said, hey, we've got some plans. We're looking at this and what do you think? And I said, how can I help? And they said, X, Y, and Z, okay, we're all in. Let me help you lift your voice for rural Utah in addition to, you know, rural Utah's voice. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. That's so great. I, I'm just, I'm just in love with that whole concept. That's so fabulous. So, okay. Now we know what your role is. And so as sort of the, the, the liaison with the governor's office, what does your office do? Why is your office in existence? Why is that important? Yeah, so so now we move into this idea that the governor has an office in rural Utah, first of its kind. And, you know, um, once I was identified as, as the individual to be the senior advisor and, and, you know, the governor had already been, you know, looking at options for rural Utah, there were a few things that really just worked out pretty quickly uh, and, and very naturally where, you know, let's put the governor's office right here where I'm at. And, and it's so exciting. You know, Cedar City has a long history of being the crossroads of rural Utah. Um, you know, Southern Utah University has hosted the Utah Rural Summit, uh, which was a part of the Utah Center for Rural Life. And if you look back historically, uh, you know, Cedar City has been the center to kind of represent rural Utah for, for you know, 40 plus years. You know, it, before organizations at a state level had, you know, um, divisions within their, their agency that focused on rural Utah, they would lean on, you know, SUU for some of that leadership, right? 
And so it was natural to kind of have that. So now the governor and lieutenant governor actually have their very own offices uh, here in Cedar City on campus at SUU. And uh, they're here regularly. They have, you know, treat it like their own office. They're having meetings with people or, you know, sometimes Zooming as, as part of our day. And, uh, and then, you know, they're out in the community, right? And so from, from their experiences here, they launch into community engagement experiences. And then when the governor and lieutenant governor aren't here, there are other cabinet members coming here and using this as a place where they can host uh, meetings with community members. So someone from Richfield can come over, you know, or up from St. George or Kanab, and they can have meetings here because now they're in the governor's office. So that's been a lot of fun, right? It's a hosting location. It's it's a different dynamic when you have meetings here and ease of access uh, for, for individuals to come. So that's been a lot of fun. And, and, it, and it dovetails, like I mentioned, really well into what this community is nationally already is um, kind of a centerpiece for good examples of how rural Utah can thrive. In fact, just this morning, we, we saw an article that said, uh, you know, what are the top cities in the United States to for, for businesses and for business growth? And three of the top 10 were rural Utah. Uh, number one was St. George. Number two was Cedar City. And this is this is the entire U.S. Washington City was was on the top ten as well. So it you know we do things well here. Uh, Cedar City, Southern Utah is just a great great place uh, for collaboration and small business growth. So it was. So I saw yeah, that yeah. article and it blew my mind. I was <laughs> like, wow! Like we're 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 sort of getting uh, like we've been flying under the radar for a long time. You know, and now we're kind of getting the recognition that that I think we've been building for for many, many years. I mean, to have Cedar City be number two for business startups, I think that was the article, right? The yep. having to do with business startups. That's just incredible. It's incredible. And I will tell you that I have a lot of clients who move here from other places and they call me and go, hey, I just went and got a business license. So like, what else? What What's my next step? And I'm like, yeah, you're in business now. Congratulations. Yeah. Cards, you know, it it, it really is just that it's it's that cool, and I love that that you get to be a part of this, and 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 as people are coming through, that you get to show off the campus, you get to show off the community. It must be such a thrill. It is, and you know, um, I I always like with the governor, lieutenant governor, to give them access to things that have a regional and more broad impact, right? So. You, you know, at, at that level for state leadership, it's important. It's always important to know the individual, but, you know, how does that individual connect into the bigger piece, right? So uh, right here on campus uh, two weeks ago, we had an opportunity to showcase, you know, the STEM Learning and Training Center. And, and what that does for all of Utah is it helps our high school and, and other, you know, secondary education and elementary education Teachers know how to teach STEM in the, in the classrooms, and then to go over and meet with Utah Center for Rural Health and to see what that does for the 19 rural counties that they have ownership of, and, and supporting the medical field with all of their placements and growth and medical needs. And, and so th- those are two entities right here on campus SU that we can just walk over to from our office, have an interaction with, and then you know, go back and have another meeting. So. Yeah, there's a lot of those examples right here on campus. So cool. 
Well, let's kind of shift gears a little bit because I really want to get into, you had brought up, you know, the, the governor's first hundred days and then the governor's first 500 days and, and, and the planning that's going into uh, executing some of these really big ideas. So let's dive into uh, some of that cool stuff that's happening. I'm really glad you mentioned that. One of the things I really like, uh, well, there's a lot of things we're going to like. But one of the things I like about this new administration is they're hungry to, to be the ones who can outwork everybody else, right? Um, the first 100 days, the, the focus was very deliberate on moving significant things forward. And that's in the middle of, you know, totally changing our back, developing a vaccine program that could be, could lead the nation, right? And so that, that by far is the number one priority for the governor right now is to get more vaccines than demand so that, you know, anybody who wants access to vaccine can get that. Now we're, we're getting there, right? And, and it's exciting to see that. Now, beyond that, the ability to say, all right, if there was no COVID-19, what would those big things be they're working on? And, and, and so as part of the governor's transition, there was a, a lot of things identified that were important. That was pulled in to develop the One Utah Roadmap. And, and how cool is that? One Utah, right? And, and Roadmap, it's action for, right? And, and from that developed six areas of focus, one of them being rural matters. And in that committee was formed. Uh, I, I was asked to chair that and have just the most amazing team, you know, with Brian Steed, who runs Department of National Resources, Reg Johnson runs uh, Public Lands Policy Coordinating Office with Tom, you know, um, who runs Office of Energy with Craig, who runs, uh, you know, Utah Department of Agricultural Food. And we've got this very powerful group, and we were asked to focus on kind of three areas. One was economic growth and diversification. One was infrastructure. And then the third was this composite group of natural resources, energy, ag, and public lands. Between those three areas, we have 23 very specific items that we're focused on. And every one of those items has a project leader dedicated to that. And they have very specific tasks that they're working on that we would like to see accomplished by 100, 200, 300, 400, 500 days so that we can look back and say, we have moved these things forward in a meaningful way. Let me just give you one example is, you know, we talk about rural broadband. So mm -hmm. rural broadband, you know, can be a really large topic. So we got really um, specific and, and we identified that there was some legislation that needed to pass. And, and, and that legislation would create uh, a, you know, a broadband center and that it would create a broadband, broadband grant process and review committee set up. And, and that we would need to hire a broadband center director to run that center and work with that review committee on the grants and, and then to set up the funding and then, you know, to move forward into more tactical things such as the broadband availability maps and making sure those are updated and then developing a broadband plan for the state of Utah and, and, and a holistic long-term strategic plan. And, and so we've got all those very specific line items. They have project owners, dates, and there's an accountability process to that. So 
that's a lot of work if you pick 23 items and, and that's where we're putting our energy right now. That is so fabulous. I mean, just even that one little specific thing of broadband, especially in, you know, this uh, sort of age of COVID where people have really shifted to learning at home, working at home, doing a lot of this stuff at home. Um, kids who don't have access to good internet risk being left behind. You know, it, it creates more opportunities for, for parents who are wish to work from home. And I will tell you that that's a, a big, big deal for people who are coming into this area, not just our local people, but people who are looking to relocate themselves and relocate their businesses. That's a question that I get asked almost every single day is how is the internet in, in whatever particular location? So, I mean, if you've got 23 of those and just that one item could have such a huge impact on on rural communities and and really level the playing field for people who are who live in rural communities. That you, you're you're right on target with the approach. I mean, the the rural matters team is is you know the infrastructure is all about setting up the framework. One of the reasons why Utah is having so much success right now, beyond Utah just having the best citizens in the world, right? I mean, it's just who we are, right? It's in our blood. But but we have always had really good leadership, both in the legislative body, uh, the executive side, you know, great governors with great vision. And they've always mapped 20, 40 years out and said, we anticipate growth and this is what we'll need. We're going to set funding in place. We're going to set infrastructure projects as a priority. And, and so we need to do the same thing today for, for our future, right? I mean, we're expected to behave like the leaders of the past. And so, you know, those things are important. And we know that some of those include water, use of land, you know, energy um, resources. I mean, there's a lot of those. And so some of these projects are taking a lot of partners to come together and think about um, how, how they move them forward. So it, it's exciting. In, in fact, right here in Iron County, you know, the Lake Powell pipeline, that's a big discussion for this community. Mm-hmm. And, and we know water is a really big deal. And, you know, we, we, we have a great plan in place here in the community, but the Lake Powell pipeline is a part of that plan. And so, you know, making sure at the state level, we are supportive of those key plans and we're helping work with the local leaders on those plans to, to do what I kind of mentioned, right? What are plans and how can we help? Uh, that's, that's what this Rural Matters plan is kind of the approach on it. So, uh, you know, water obviously is a huge deal. And so if we've got a voice in the governor's office talking about water, that's, that's something that will make or break this community is how we manage our, our water resources. And, and of course, when you're in a rural area like ours, 80%-ish of our water use is agriculture, which is still a huge part of our economy. It's a huge part of our culture. It's a huge part of our history. Um, and it uses a lot of water. So there's a lot of moving pieces there that have to be managed. Yeah, in fact, it was kind of fun as um, we're talking about the water usage plans and and. and and seeing some innovation happen, there's some really good partners. In fact, SUU and USU are in the middle of a partnership right now, right? Where they're looking at different spigot head utilization with different soil types to be able to say, 
all right, this is this is a good use and not a good use. And so, I mean, that's happening right here in Iron County. And, and you know, and, and utilizing different, um, you know, areas of water, right? Whether you reuse certain areas or you access to areas that maybe might be too hard to treat for, you know, um, potable water, but you could treat them in such a way that they could be used for agriculture. Um, you know, those are all things that are moving forward. You just have to keep them well connected. So we're all working together because at some point, all of these things go back to some, some type of state legislation or funding or policy piece. When, once the innovation happens, you've got to readjust policies, readjust funding. And so keeping in, 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 in touch with all of that along the way, rather than just saying, hey, wait a minute, now there's this great new thing and we haven't been kept up to speed. You know, we just don't want to be like that. We want to be with the partners, really aware of what's going on. I think that is a really unique approach, talking about how you're developing solutions, putting together a plan, and then taking it to the legislature, sort of instead of waiting for the legislature to, you know, to, to hear that there's an issue, and then trying to put a committee in place and a study in place, you know, to solve that that problem, whatever that problem may be. What I hear you saying is that you're identifying these issues first, you're coming up with some solutions, and then you're taking it to the legislature and say, hey, here's sort of the plan. We need this funding. We need this law passed. We need this other one repealed maybe. And you're kind of putting together the framework and handing it to them. Is that accurate? Well, so I'm learning a little bit for sure right now. <laughs> I think uh, I think Governor Cox is, is brilliant. Lieutenant Governor Henderson both brilliant in a couple very specific ways that I want to mention here. One is they don't work in an isolation mode, right? They work in collaboration mode. So, you know, I, I came into this team, you know, um, just kind of eyes wide open here to help. And I saw just the most amazing experience happen with this legislative session where, you know, the governor and Lieutenant governor were working with legislative leadership before they ever put out the governor's budget recommendations. They were well in sync, at least from my perspective, uh, on, on their goals. And so, you know, legislative leadership, uh, governor's office, attendant governor's office, seem to be really working well to say these are all priorities. And, 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 the, and the second thing is, you know, um, a lot of these state agencies that report to the governor um, they're administering federal funds, state funds, and they're, uh, you know, being responsive to policy that the legislators make or the constituents want. So they're all very well connected together. And so the more we can be responsive, you know, and, and accountable on, I guess, on the agency side and say, yep, we're seeing this. How would you like to work together, legislators? I think it just makes for a, a better winning model. No, I agree. And I've heard from several legislators and lobbyists that this was really a unique session, not just because of COVID, but uh, with the new administration and and, and the, the collaboration. It, it, I've, I've heard that it was really quite interesting. So that's cool. Well, and, and I'll offer two thoughts that from my perspective are unique. One, I started hearing, I don't know, halfway through the session that there's this there's some rural fatigue, right? People are using that word rural fatigue. And 
I just, I just smiled and like, and really Utah's been feeling that for a lot of years. So it's okay. Right. But we had to be sensitive. I mean, the governor's budget had over $300 million identified for areas that, that would be almost mainly, you know, coming into rural Utah. And so that, that's a lot of money, right? That's a lot of money. And so there is some sensitivity to say, are we being deliberate, deliberate, purposeful? Are we really working well together? And I was really proud of the legislative body this year. They, 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 they recognized those key things to support. They recognized the, the, the things that were necessary that were long-term. There were some great investment things that happened, but let, let me transition real quick into kind of a unique thing that, that I think my role um, has been kind of fun to see, right? So in, in partnership with the legislative body. So the legislative body recognized the need to trust and engage county leadership with their own innovation. And so, um, you know, two sessions ago, we saw the rural county grant program begin. And it gave every county an opportunity to create a committee, economic development committee, and to come up with what they would use it for and, and to be purposeful. And then they could use that, those funds to, to move those things forward. Now, um, that, uh, you know, got hit with COVID, right? COVID came in. And so they kept the money there, but it was about half as much. And so this last session, uh, they brought those funds back up to a higher level. And the reason I'm bringing this specific example up is because county leaders really know what's going on in their community. And everything I've been hearing from the governor is, you've got to trust the local leaders. We want to empower them. We want to support them, reinforce them. If there's opportunities for, the, for us to buoy them up by helping them feel more confident with you know, professional development or other things, let's do that. But, but we really don't want to be in the way of running their business. And, but, but so then what we do is I sit down with the county commissioners and say, what are your plans and how can we help? And they'll say, these are our priorities. And I'll say, great. Are you aware of this <laughs> the rural county grant program and how that could help? And some of them aren't, some connect. And then it's like, wait a minute, these are your problems. The legislative body has, you know, governor giving you the tools to solve them locally. If you're missing players to help you with that facilitation, will them bring them in to help you, right? Different agencies that have some subject matter expertise in, in their agency to, or technical assistance to guide the county. And then we bring them in. And that's been a really fun. And I think if you talk to most counties, they're seeing a great level of success with all those programs. And we've, saw, we've seen it right here in our county. Right. So we put that towards three things last year, the Business Innovation Center, Iron Leaders Academy and moving, uh, you know, the Inland Port concept forward with Port 15. You know, thirty thousand dollars in each one of those has moved each one of those significantly forward. And so, you know, um, that those are some good examples of legislative bodies trusting locally. The governor put that in his budget because he believes in supporting local. And then we just kind of support the model. So that's been a fun experience. That's absolutely brilliant. That's, and I've always said, well, I don't care who you are, the, the people with the most knowledge are the people with the boots on the ground. You know, they're the ones that are, are living it every single day and, and dealing with the, the, the issues. I am, I guess I am so excited about that Port 15 project. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll take that all day long, you know? <laughs> That's right. So let me kind of take us in a, in a more economic direction. Um, you had talked about one of the 
sort of pillars of this rural matters um, planning is economic diversity and economic development. Um, so just talk a little bit about what's happening there and, and how this community is going to be able to benefit from that. Oh, I, I love this area. Um, so a couple, we, there's, I think, just four key areas that we put on the first 500 days. One was rural broadband because it has so many impacts, right? The, you know, business expansion, uh, individual you know, business growth opportunities, um, education has been a big, big uh, benefiter and, and partner in this process. The second is rural tourism, right? And, and this is really a conversation around how we evolve the state's tourism marketing and promotion of, of rural areas that's consistent with our local community priorities, right? And, and, and to show some active leadership in developing tourism infrastructure, um, you know, while still managing kind of that mitigation of tourism impacts that we feel, right? Uh, all, all, with, all of it around the side that I did that we need to enhance the quality of life of Utah residents, right? So, so there's several items with, with tourism, and, you know, and, 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 you know, we've heard red emerald, you know, um, strategies, you know, uh, destination tourism and, and some different things that bring people in our community for a little longer rather than just you're, you're here for the day, use and abuse and you're out, right? But you get to stay and, and be part of it. So there's a lot of different strategies there. Um, the other one is um, rural investment programs. So this is really about evaluating and identifying funding uh, increases and expansion opportunities for that investment that supports remote work and entrepreneurialism, right? We know for the, the, the heart and, and, and blood of rural Utah is an entrepreneurial spirit, right? It's what you're doing right now with what, you know, we're participating on this podcast, right? It's creating new experiences and opportunities. And so um, there's several things in there, expanding the RCIC grant so that we have more remote co-working innovation centers. It, it, it's the rural county grant funding that we talked about. It's red TIF legislation. So rural economic development tax infrastructure, tax, tax investment financing. So it's the idea that um, we want our businesses to have a tax incentive to grow their business where they're at, right? And if somebody wants to come into Utah, we'll come into rural Utah. So there's a lot of those items that on there includes supporting the executive order number four, which the governor challenged all of his agencies to move jobs to rural Utah, right? Not only telework, but in person, right? And, and they, they're required to report back by you know July about what their plans are. And then the next one is local control of transient room tax and the ability for local leadership to work hand in hand with the tourism directors to say, how can these funds be used to support a long-term strategy for, um, you know, tourism? And, and so we went through a legislative process this session. Um, I believe Utah Tourism Industry Association and uh, the Office of Tourism will be working on uh, bringing more people together during the year to come up with uh, some more other solutions. But those are some big ones for rural Utah, right? And, and, and mind you, a lot of our natural resources, energy, ag, public lands are in the third section, but relative to that economic growth and diversification, those are the four areas we're focused on right now. That's so amazing. Again, I just love that focus on using the, the, the people and the resources that are already in place in this area 
I mean, you cannot ask for a better tourism director than we've got in Iron County. <laughs> Maria Twitchell's amazing. And, and, right. and, and she's got so many good strategies and, and, you know, she's so well connected with the other directors in, in the communities around us. And that's one of the things I have found is that this tourism uh, industry leadership, they're very well connected throughout the state and to each other. And it, it's a fun group to get glimpses in, in their workings with. Yeah, no, that's, uh, it's just such a cool focus. Um, to to push the the dollars and the responsibility and the ownership down to the the community level. I just I think that's a that's a big deal. We haven't necessarily seen at that level before. So what else do we need to know about your office and and what you do and and how it's helping this community? Well, let me just end with two kind of big big things. One is. Um, making sure we take the approach to say, what are your plans and how can we help? That does a few things. One, it forces the local leadership to have a plan. Two, um, it, it forces that local leadership to think about how to execute those plans. And if they need some support, we'll help with it. And, and you know, one of the ways we're doing that is, is um, we created the Utah Rural Leadership Academy. And that's for another discussion. We'll spend a whole time on that. We'll have you come in and, and participate with the group. But Utah Rural Leadership Academy is designed around 40 leaders from around Utah in, in kind of that county level leadership. And they come in and they're able to go through coursework that's very hands-on that will gives them this, the enhanced tools to drive all of their plans forward. And, um, and, and it's exciting because, you know, SU's Community and Professional Development Department is going to be running that in partnership with SU's Masters of Public Administration. And so participants end up getting uh, nine credits towards an MPA. I mean, that's a third of your master's degree. And so then who wouldn't want to continue on? So then what happens over time? You, you have an increasedly educated leadership across all of Utah, especially in rural, that now raises the bar on their ability to be successful, right? And so, again, it comes back to what are your plans? How can we help? And then us doing things to help them get there to, to that. That's the first thing I was going to share. The second thing is uh, the Utah Rural Summit has been a really big part of this community for a long time. And I don't know if you saw it yesterday. We, we shipped out a hold the date announcement, but we're moving into renaming that uh, the, you know, One Utah Summit. And, and it will always be known as, you know, secondary tagline, you know, the 34th Utah Rural Summit. And, and, and but, but what's interesting is, is the, the, the summit up north will also be called the One Utah Summit, right? The Governor's Economic Summit. So you've got two of these experiences bookend bookending and, and it brings more people together and and you know historically rural Utah has had a seat at a table but it's been a little questionable about which table it's been at and I'm cautious to share this story but it's a little humorous and we can be funny about this for a moment but you've you've gone to family dinners where the young married couples you know maybe there's not enough seats at the main table so they get they get a really nicely designed card table and it might be in the piano room and we're going to make it special. They got a special menu and, uh, you know, want to make them feel good. But the reality is they're in a separate room for the, for the, for the 
mill. So they're not a part of those conversations. We just want, you know, all of you taught to be the same table, having the same conversations. That's how we move forward. That's how we drive change. And that's what this concept is about is, you know, raising the voice so we're all on the same table, you know, creating from not just the rural summit, this is the one Utah summit, we're all at the same table. Of course, our focus will be on those leading efforts for rural support, but it changes the mindset. And I think this is going to be the, you know, uh, with the Cox Henderson administration, we're going to see that mindset change and, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm just really grateful that they've given me a chance to be on the team to help. So it's, it's, going to be cool. It is so cool. And, uh, and give us that date for the one Utah summit. So October 4th will be kickoff, um, social the fifth Tuesday, the fifth is the actual main day event. And then Wednesday, the sixth will be kind of a learn and work launching the rural leadership Academy and, uh, having some boards and commissions, uh, stick around and enjoy the community. Okay. I've been to that for the last several years and it is an event not to be missed. So put that on your calendar, everybody. It is just an incredible event. There is so much information that is packed into all of these sessions and and it's just an amazing uh, thing to have, especially, and and again, an opportunity to kind of show off our community and show off SUU and, and to, to, some influencers. It's, it's really a neat, neat thing. And, and you did such a fantastic job last year. It was just absolutely amazing. So, all right, we are going to let you go because you have a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Lizenby, thank you so much for giving us this time. I am just so excited and so fascinated uh, with this effort to, to, to sort of raise the bar in rural Utah. So grateful for your time and and thanks for coming. And we'll have you back because there's several topics there that we could probably explore some more. Anytime it works. And thank you for hosting. This has been great. Thank you. All right, everybody. This is Jenny Hendricks with my very silent co-host today, Jesse Harris. This has been Color Country Politics and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Color Country Politics, a production in cooperation with Utah Politico Hub and graciously sponsored by Century 21 Prestige Realty at 121 North Main Street, Cedar City. Special thanks to Amoeba Crew for use of their song, Background Indie Rock, licensed under Creative Commons. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Also, check out our YouTube channel where we post video of our interviews. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and our website at www.colorcountrypolitics.com.